0: In this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, I am excited to be speaking with Nikki Roush, and we're going to talk about some ways that you and your sales team can increase your influence. Uh, which will in turn increase your sales and increase your revenue, which will increase your wealth. And let's face it, we are the Weekly Wealth Podcast, and we are looking to help you to build wealth. Uh, Be on the lookout in the coming weeks. We are just adding some exciting new services uh, to our offering, and we're going to be able to help business owners to increase the value of their businesses. So many business owners, and I'm one of them, Uh, We, one of our biggest assets is our business, but um, oftentimes we don't know the value of the business and we don't know how to increase the value of the business. And then when it comes time to sell the business and retire, we are not where we need to be. So I'm going to be hosting some webinars, um, having some podcast episodes and offering some other services that will help the business owners of the world to increase the value of their business make more money, and also have easier lives. So be on the lookout for that, and we hope that you enjoy this episode.
1: This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with Certified Financial Planner, David Chuddick, where we discuss the wealth-building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family,
0: and your business. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. As you know, my name is David Chudick, and I am a certified financial planner with Parallel Financial. And what that means is that I help my clients to make the right decisions for them for the reasons that are important to them. So, hey, if you're interested, we have a video that our firm put out about how we are managing market volatility. I know the stock markets have been up and down. So if that interests you, shoot me an email, david at parallelfinancial.com. It's a quick 10-minute video, and hopefully you can compare that to what you're doing on the risk management side. But today I'm excited because we're going to talk about sales. We're going to talk about generating revenue. We're going to talk about some things about making connections with your customers. And let's face it, Um, you know, anything that can help us to bring in more revenue as business owners is going to be very powerful. So uh, Nikki Roush is with us today. Um, She's a sales coach, a trainer, an author, and she teaches her clients how to authentically move people through the selling process in a way that builds relationships, creates true connections, and results in more closed deals, and probably most importantly, more long-term clients. So hey, Nikki, how are you?
1: I am so good. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you.
0: Well, we're glad to have you. I know sometimes sales is almost thought of as a bad word, um, so yes. hopefully, maybe we can even jump into some of the some of the the psychology behind selling and everything. But but yeah, so tell us a little bit about your business and kind of how you help um, how you help your clients.
1: So my company is Sales Maven, and I teach people how to structure a sales conversation so that it has more impact, builds relationships and moves them through the process. So I teach, uh, my framework is a five-step process called the selling staircase. Uh And um, yeah, and I've been doing that. I started my business in 2013. I work with clients around the world and really it's helping people get much more comfortable and confident in their sales conversation. So they're able to increase their influence in the conversation and frankly, increase their income as well, but all doing it based on my belief and everything I teach is that sales is something that you do with people, not to them. And there's been too much sales stuff out there that people think, Oh, I got to do something to somebody. Well, that feels gross. And, Mm -hmm. and if that's, you know, and then a lot of times what happens is then you hold yourself back. So I teach people about the with type conversations and how do you initiate conversation and how do you move people through the process and earn their business?
0: So what's the difference between selling and and manipulating? I mean, is there a kind of a fine line or, or how, how do you work with some of your clients to help them Cause sometimes the right thing for a salesperson to do is to say, you know what? I can't help you. You're not a good fit. And, and, and we're just not, we're not a good fit. Right. So, so, yeah. and I think a lot of people who are especially not the quote natural salespeople, they, they almost think of sales as manipulation and making people do stuff. So talk mm. to us a little bit about kind of that psychology.
1: Yeah. So, well, first of all, the, the idea is. Not to manipulate somebody. And, you know, the thing about our society now, in the way that we are and the way that we work and the way we function, is consumers are savvy and they're skeptical, right? Like we've created a society of savvy, skeptical people. And we are that way ourselves when our money's on the line. So this idea of trying to do something to somebody feels gross again. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's the difference between talking at people and talking with, I think when you're talking at people, you're trying to be maybe you're not trying to be, but it comes up as manipulative. But when you learn how to speak with people and that's through conversation and conversation doesn't mean, Hey, let me show up, give you my presentation, word vomit all over you, tell you why you need to buy me, you know, buy from me or, or why your world is going to fall apart. I often compare this to it's like, being in a conversation with somebody who brings along a slice, you know, a piece of paper and they give you like 20 paper cuts and then they go, bless your heart. You're bleeding. I sell band-aids. You should buy right. my band-aids. Like, yeah, I'm bleeding. Cause you cut me. That feels really horrible. And of course I'm not going to give you my business, but if you show up and you understand, does this person have a problem, a want, a desire, and do I have a solution that will meet that problem, that want, or that desire? And can I position it in a way that meets, you know, that, that fulfills what it is that they're looking for? And if the answer is no, if I don't have a solution, or frankly, if they don't have a problem, a need, or a want, then you bless and release those people. Sure. It isn't like trying to convince them. I don't believe that sales is about convincing. I always hate the overcoming
0: enough. objections term because mm. that means that I have to be- pretty much make you buy something regardless of if you actually really yeah. need it or want it. And I would rather think, you know, we're here to see if you're a good fit and we're a good fit to work together. So,
1: yeah. And when I think about objections, I think the thing that you have to do first and foremost is you have to uncover what the real objection is. And once you uncover what it is, then you can offer a potential solution with that person's permission. I also Mm -hmm. believe in having permission before you start selling to people. And if you have their permission to offer a potential solution, then you can check and see, is this a true objection? Can it be overcome? And sometimes the answer is no, and that's okay. And again, those are those bless and release type opportunities where, you know, I may say to you, gosh, David, I would absolutely love to work with you, but I get a sense I'm not the right person for you. So I'm going to just say, thank you so much for your time. And I wish you well. And that, that can be the end of a conversation. And hopefully when something changes or, you know, if you still like the way that we interacted and, and you're ready, you'll come back. You'll come back to me when things change in your life and you're like, okay, now I'm ready for some sales coaching. Great. Or you'll feel really good about the relationship. And if somebody comes to you and they're like, Hey, I could really use some sales coaching. You might say, you know, I talked to Nikki. She wasn't a good fit for me, but she might be a good fit for you. Why don't you get in touch with her?
0: Right. Right. How great is that? Let me ask you a question. Should we, when we're dealing with prospects, deal with the fear of not having something or the benefit of having something? In other words, as a financial advisor, mm-hmm. if if you and I are, are are speaking for the first time, is it are your fears of maybe not having enough for retirement or whatever your fears might be, are those more important than the benefits of if we start saving and making great decisions and you have this beautiful life of whatever your dreams are? You know, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I love this question, and I don't think anybody has ever asked it of me. And I've been on a lot of podcasts, so I'm so excited that you asked. There you go, I love it.
0: We'll we'll put this one as our on our social media feed for uh, for sure. That clip.
1: Yeah, this is such a good question. Now, here's the thing: is that um, there's there's a spectrum of what motivational traits are, and and there's people who are motivated towards having something; those are the benefits. This comes by the way from my background in neurolinguistic programming. And then, and if you haven't heard that term before, it's just the study of communication. So there are there are people who are really like high up on a spectrum. They're motivated towards having something. And then there are other people who fall on a spectrum that might fall more towards the the fear that they want the away from strategy. So they don't want something to happen versus the somebody who wants something to happen. And the thing about it is most people don't know what their kind of modality, what their strategy is when it comes to towards and away from, and you don't often know when you're talking to somebody. So it's really important actually that instead of just selling fear, that you also talk about benefits because you want to hit whatever their motivational strategy and, and people can fall anywhere on the spectrum. I tend to fall more like I like towards language, but you can work in a little bit of away from language with me and I'm super excited about okay so I'm not having to I'm not going to have to worry about do I have enough to cover my house payment when I retire and I also want the freedom to make decisions to buy something if I choose to buy it like the, so that's a toward you know buy something when I want to buy it not have to worry about making my house payment that's an away from strategy and if you can position the benefits with towards and away from language, you're much more likely to touch on the things that matter most to that person and earn their business.
0: That's, that is very interesting. You know, in the life insurance business, a lot of times it's the fear of, you know, do you realize, especially when you're talking to young parents, if you got hit by a truck today, your family would have to be homeless because they wouldn't have enough money to pay the bills. And that is Mm -hmm. maybe exaggerated, but that's a legit fear. But I've also seen a lot of young parents, they get life insurance and they seem so proud. It's like the benefit of now I know I've done my duty to my family and that's the benefit. And that's almost more important than, 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 um, kind of overcoming that fear of, of the horrible things that would happen if they didn't make it home. So, so I like the fact that you're saying it's both, um, and you have got to yeah. kind of develop a, a rapport and, and help, help, help to lead, lead the prospect because ultimately we're, we're solving, we're solving a problem. So let's talk a little bit about first impressions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they say first impressions are made made very quickly, and you have very little chance to, to overcome a first uh, first impression, and you know you probably you had an impression when you first met me, hopefully it was positive, but it may have been negative. Um, so like, how, how do we make good first impressions, generally speaking with people.
1: Well, it's important to know. They say that people can make up to 10 judgments about you in the first 10 seconds of meeting you. So there's a lot of things people will decide, right? And one of the things that they will decide about quickly is your trustworthiness. So are you setting the stage of being trustworthy quickly? So that can be in you know, the thing that people actually experience first when we're face-to-face or when we're on video, like you and I are now is your facial expression. So if you show up to a meeting and you seem really distracted and you're like looking away, you're not what, looking What'd at you the say? Camera. I wasn't listening. I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. So that can diminish because now I might feel, oh, does he see me? Does he not have his camera on? And now I start to like wonder, and that can diminish first impression. But if you show up and you're like, welcome, thank you so much. I'm so excited to meet you and talk to you. That sets the stage. I see you. I'm here. I'm completely present in this moment. And that starts to establish your credibility, which credibility leads to trustability. So super important in your first impression.
0: So now that we are a little bit, I don't want to say COVID is over, but we're back into where we mm-hmm. can meet in person and everything. What are some maybe body language? Because I mean, I know that I you, sometimes you meet someone and you're like, yeah, that person, they're on it. They, they appear very confident and competent. And then other people, you maybe can't even put your finger on it, but it's like, yeah, that person just doesn't inspire me. And I don't know that I would necessarily do business or trust an important problem to that person. So what about some body language or, or other intangible for, especially for in-person scenarios?
1: Well, one of the things that you can do is you can match and mirror body language Mm. and you can do that pretty quickly. And one of the easiest things to match or mirror is somebody's facial expression. So if you show up in a meeting with somebody and they have kind of more of a relaxed face, more of a, you know, some people would call that like a serious face you don't want to walk into the meeting and be all like, Hey, hi, big smiles and big, like, da, 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 cause that might send the impression. Like we're not alike and we want to send the impression that we're alike. so you don't have to match their body language exactly completely. Cause that, that becomes mimicry and we don't want that. But instead of being like super big personality and, um, making lots of hand gestures and waving around and big smiles instead come into the meeting, notice their body language, and match it a little bit, be willing to say, hi, welcome, you know, stay a little bit more relaxed and calm. And if, you know, again, if you walk into the meeting and the person's like all over the place and they're like, Hey, you don't want to be like, hi, cause that's a mismatch. Sure. So be willing to kind of go where they are. And, and that sends that, that know, like, and trust factor, because one of the things that we have found and that we know is true. Well, you can tell me, David, if you think this is true, but when you meet somebody for the first time and you get an impression that this person is like you in some way, have you ever noticed that you think that person is smart?
0: Of course. Right. If you're like yeah. me, I, we all overestimate how smart we are individually. <laughs> don't we? So So That would mean I'd be overestimating how smart that person is, but, uh, but yeah, I I can definitely see that.
1: Yeah. And most of us, we meet somebody who's somewhat like us in some way that we can relate to. We go, gosh, that person is smart. Well, that's a way to start to establish some credibility and leads to trust of like, this person is like me in some way. Now I'm not saying be false or fake. That's not what I mean, but be willing to adjust. Mm -hmm. My all-time favorite quote is, um, I don't know if you've heard this quote before. Blessed are the flexible for they shall wow. not be bent out of shape. I like it. And no, I teach good. flexibility because if you just show up and you're like this is me, I have no flexibility, this is my rigid approach to everything. I don't care people like me or don't like me, they can go kick rocks. Well, the fact of the matter is some people will show up and go, "Yeah, I don't I don't really appreciate that approach, right. so I'm going to go right. somewhere else." That's okay. But if you're willing to be a little bit flexible, you'll find that you actually expand your client base as a result, because they'll go, ah, David, him and I have this in common. Him and I are alike in this way. You know, we're, we're both, we take our money conversations seriously, or gosh, David's kind of lighthearted in these conversations. And it feels really good that, you know, he's not being overly serious with me and like doom and gloom. they're going to go, David is so smart. I trust him. And I feel really good about putting my money in his hands.
0: Yeah, no. And one of the things that I talk about just so much is being purposeful in in, in everything that we do. So, so with your money, um, you're not going to drift to financial freedom. You need to make some, some just actual decisions. And with your networking and your sales techniques, Sometimes little, just small adjustments, noticing, Hey, Nikki is not incredibly flamboyant. So I'm going to dial it down a little bit. And, you know, I'm not going to totally change who I am uh, because if we're going to have a long-term relationship, you know, it has to be real. But if, if, if I just kind of get the feel that you're a little bit calmer and quieter and I make that small adjustment, we may end up having a really good professional relationship. Or maybe we won't, but, but I think, like you said, just to say, well, this is how I am and people like me or they don't like me. Well, you know, there's probably a lot of people that, um, you know, you, you might be missing a lot of the, the potential sales and ability, ability to help people, um, uh, for sure. So yeah. you, You have something that's interesting, um, talking about kind of cat calling and dog calling techniques to, to create curiosity. So, so I wanted to hear about that because, uh, I have, um, I have two dogs and I have two cats at home and, um, I have one crazy dog, one, one lovable dog and one cat that does cat things. And another cat that just pretty much sits there and eventually he's going to explode because all he does is eat and sleep. So
1: (laughs) I want to come back as him in my next life. I'm just saying.
0: We have to put him outside (laughs) now or else he'll just sleep all day.
1: Oh my gosh. All right. So this idea of creating curiosity, most people don't think about in the sales process, how important it is that you create a little curiosity. So I do teach it as it's the difference between how you call a dog and how you call a cat. So if you think right now, David, you can tell me if this is true for your pets, but if you want to get your dog's attention, a lot of times you'll change your voice and you'll be like, come here, boy, come here. Like, let's go do something fun. And why do your, is that? You know, why do do
0: Dogs don't care our tone of voice or do they, but you're exactly <laughs> they right.
1: They love it. Right. Like mm-hmm. there's, they're so they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to do something fun. David's on, you know, we're going to take, go a walk. We're going to get a treat, whatever. And that dog calling energy, a lot of times can show up in sales conversations because we're so excited about the person we're in conversation with, like, oh my gosh, I know I can help this person. I'm going to be able to take this money that they've got and, and, you know, make some incredible investment for them. And they're going to be so excited, but that energy can be very off-putting for people. Cause they'll go like, Ooh, it's a little too much. They'll kind of push away from you. I call that word vomiting all over people. You're like, what are you going to say?
0: No, I just, i like your word vomit word, or I don't like it. Okay. I, I guess I could yeah. see how, how, <laughs> you know, we all use word vomiting. Cause obviously what I want to yeah. talk about is so important to me and, and it should be important to you, but if you're the prospect and the client, it needs to be about you, not about me.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So that's where we go to the flip side here of the cat calling energy. You know, if you want to get a cat's attention, a lot of times you have to, you have to be intriguing you have to say here, kitty, kitty. Right, And then maybe the cat will at least look at you. They might not even come to you because they'll be like, what, what do you want? What are you doing? And so when you're showing up in your conversations, you want to have what I call hear kitty, kitty responses to questions. You want to draw people in. So the difference is maybe you show up in a conversation with somebody and they say, Oh, David, Hey, you know, what have you been up to lately? you don't want to word vomit all over them and go like, well, here's what's going on in our business. And we have this new video and you should definitely go watch it. It's 10 minutes long. Here's everything you're going to learn about and blah, blah. That's like too much. Right. right. But if you show up and they go, David, what have you been up to lately? And you're like, oh, we have some cool new things going on in the business. We just launched something for cut for clients. And they go, well, what did you launch? Oh, we have this video. Tell me about the video. Now we're in conversation and i'm being strategic i'm talking about the thing i'm planting seeds through my here kitty kitty responses about things that i want to talk about that open the door and i'm just waiting to see if the other person wants to talk about it too i'm not and saying and if they don't hey, it's
0: okay right yeah. i mean oh my gosh it's just, yeah you, we don't waste either time
1: exactly mm-hmm. but if you say you know if you let's say you have a meeting with a long term client somebody you've you've done really great business with they love you and there's something you haven't talked to them about lately, or I'm going to give you another scenario. Cause I think you actually gave this scenario to me before we started to record it. There are probably people in your life right now who, you know, who know you, who trust you, but you've never had a discussion with them about maybe earning their business for whatever reason, cause you weren't sure if it's appropriate, but this is where you can start to use this here. Kitty, kitty. Responses. So let's say that you're going to see this person. You guys are maybe you're getting together on the weekend for some kind of a get together, you know, barbecue or whatever. When you go and show up, and they go, Hey, what have you been up to lately? Don't just say, Oh, you know, nothing. Or oh, I've been busy because
0: that's what we us yeah. the badge of honor, right? I've been busy.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But give them something a little more that they can ask a question. So you might say, Oh, you know, things are going really well. As a matter of fact, the podcast has really reached a whole new level. And they go, David, you have a podcast? What's your podcast about? Oh, well, here's what I you know, do. And it's really as a way to, to open the door for potential new clients. Oh, well, who are your potential clients? Like, who do you get from the podcast? Well, now you're opening the door, right? Sure. And now we're having a discussion. And at some point, you might even be able to say to them, you know, you and I've never actually even had a discussion. Would you ever be interested in talking about ways that we might work together?
0: Yeah. I, I really like that. And this is actually going to help me personally, because I've always you know, had a little bit of that mental block of, you know, kind of drawing the line between friends and potential clients. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, you don't necessarily want to be at a kids' birthday party and, and have to feel like you're talking business. But what I do, and, and I'm sure you feel the same about what you do, is literally life-changing for my clients. Because yes. it's not only about, hey, should we buy this stock or this stock for you? It's we're going to manage your money in a way that's going to make sure that you have a better life. And that is, you know, that that's, it's, it's life changing and the people that I know and care about should at least be, should be um, introduced to that. And, and if they, if they want to work with me, great, but if not, so, so I I love that. Um, I love that approach that you uh, that you just brought up and I'm, I'm making notes. I like it.
1: Okay. I'm so glad. Cause here's one of the things that we often do as salespeople, when we have something to sell or offer, we project our limiting beliefs onto other people. And then we hallucinate, we act as if we can read their mind. But if you really want to show respect to those important people in your life, you owe it to put the opportunity in front of them and allow them to make the decision. Don't make the decision for them. Mm-hmm. So you may find as you go about, you know, in the next couple of months, as you start to have more of these conversations with people that you're thinking, gosh, we've never really talked about this before. You might actually find, and I get this a lot, I get this all the time from my clients, will come back to me and they'll go, you know, Nikki, I finally invited so and so to you know, this opportunity. And I I'd, I'd always been afraid to ask them. And you know what they said? Gosh. I always wondered why you never asked me. I just assume that you don't like to work with friends, or they make some crazy assumption as right. to why you don't want their business, and right. you're over here making a crazy assumption about why you shouldn't ask them for their business.
0: Yeah. So two bad assumptions, um, and you know what they say about you know assuming. Uh, yeah. Re- results in a professional relationship that never that never occurs. So I I really like that. That's that's a good uh, the, 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 calling the kitty cat and, and, and creating curiosity. I, I really, really like that. That's, that's impressive. And that's something that I'm going to personally use. So what about your, your, your strive five, the power of strive five, talk to us a little bit about and, and unpack that for us.
1: So the strive five is something that I put together years ago when I was going to attend live events and it, these live events, I think if you're going to spend time in your business going out and, and it wasn't actually, it was actually a conference. This is where I first kind of came up with this and I use it now in all areas of my business. Um, but what I thought is I want to look to see who's going to be at this conference. And there are people that are going to be there that may not necessarily be like potential clients, but they're people that I want to connect with because I really admire them or who knows what could happen as a result of the relationship. So I went to this conference and I came up with five people that I was going to intentionally build relationship with at the conference. Now I tend to fall on the introverted side and I'm kind of shy. And that's really interesting
0: because I would not have guessed that.
1: Okay, well, then I'm doing well that I don't that it doesn't like shine through. But I do feel kind of shy, and especially in a group setting. And so I had this strive five list. I had these five people on this list. And so any opportunity that I could, I would connect with them in some way. And I was really holding myself accountable. So for instance, there was somebody who's a big podcaster and she's absolutely amazing. And I was a little intimidated by her but we did this at this conference. We went on this like bus ride to go do this sailboat thing. And so when we got back off the sailboat and we were getting back on the bus to go back to the hotel, she was sitting on the bus and there was a seat open next to her. And I decided to sit next to her, which felt really like so scary, but it was my, it was because she was on my strive five. And we had this really great, connection and we've built this incredible friendship since then. And they, her and her husband have become really amazing mentors in my business. That was one example. Um, and actually have brought a lot of business to me as a result. As a matter of fact, the biggest sales month I've ever had in my business came as a result of something that her and her her husband and I did together, but that would have never happened if I hadn't sat next to her, on that bus ride
0: and how easy it would have been to not sit next to her. You could have come up with a million reasons. She won't like me. She's more important than I am. I'm not good enough. She's a big name. Uh, My business coach talks a lot about just getting uncomfortable every day. And sometimes that is just as easy as sit next to someone that you kind of are a little bit, I don't know if intimidated is the word, but, but it was just wasn't a comfortable thing and then you did it and it's been so positive. So I love that message.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of things happen. As a matter of fact, I gave this talk on stage a couple of years later at the same conference, but years later that I ended up becoming not actually years later, one year later, I was a speaker. Now, the person who organized the conference didn't really know me the year that I went to their conference, but I made an, they were on my, my strive five list. I made an effort to personally thank them for what, what I got out of the conference and they ended up having a conversation with me and asking some questions. We built this relationship. And the next year they had me on their stage speaking, which ended up generating probably a hundred thousand dollars in my business that year. And it all came because this person was on my strive five list. And I really went out of my way again, for me, it was a stretch to go up to somebody who I admired and be like, you know, I just want to thank you and share that, you know, one of the things I got out of your conference was this, and it made a big difference. Mm -hmm. She was so flattered that she had a conversation with me. Relationship was built. So it's, it's learning how to, again, like your coach says, get uncomfortable, but be strategic Sure. And be yeah. willing to not not necessarily go in with this big agenda of like, I'm going to you know convince this person to let me be on their stage next year. That was never my intention. My intention was true. I want to build relationship with this person and we'll see where it goes. And wow. where it usually goes for me is it generates business because I build strong relationships. People trust me and they give me opportunities as a result.
0: Well, you know, and and I think you have to kind of differentiate people trust you with there's a reason they trust you. You deserve to be trusted. You're trustworthy Mm -hmm. and and, and you prove that over time with actions. And that's where, you know, that's where the relationships, uh, relationships come in. So I'm interested in hearing, like, what type of companies do you work with? Do you work with specific industries? just tell me a little bit about how, how you work. Um, You know, is it one-on-one? Do you have group coaching? Is it kind of on-demand training talk to us a little bit about uh, just your whole, your whole practice?
1: So I do, I do do corporate trainings, but I primarily work with entrepreneurs, small business owners that are growing, you know, selling their own services and, or have, has a small team and they want to really hone their selling experience and really Like level up where they are and reach that next level in their business. So I do that in a couple different ways. I do private coaching. I do do team trainings, and then I have a monthly coaching program that people can come and join and be a part of, where they get access to my training center. There's pre-recorded. There's a myriad of pre-recorded trainings on different sales techniques and strategies, and then I do live calls with my group every month. Um, And then I teach master classes that are. Th- you know, taught over a three-week period on a deep dive into a particular topic. So the next one that's coming up is storytelling for business, where I'm going to teach what are the stories that you need to have captured in your business and how do you deliver them back in a sales conversation to make impact.
0: Wow. I like it. And in today's world with Zoom, I mean, I, I would assume that geography is not really a barrier for you, right? I mean, is do you work virtually or or do you work in person even with with people who are who are local or is it mostly uh, virtual
1: primarily now especially in the world and as we are sure. living today it's primarily virtual i work with clients around the world i still do have people that will hire me to do team trainings and they want to you know fly me in and have you know have me at their conferences and speak to their groups that way. But primarily I work virtually and I work with clients. Yeah. Like you said, all around the world, it's been a real privilege and pleasure to be able to do business this way and really support people on- getting more comfortable in sales conversations.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, we have so many things on our plates and in coaching our teams on how to how to sell a little bit better, um, coaching ourselves on how to sell a little bit better. Um, it's difficult to do. So, I, you know, I'm a, just a huge proponent of getting help, getting help in our businesses where we need it. That's everything from having a good financial advisor to having a good accountant to sales coach to... Uh, you know, even a landscaper. I mean, shoot, I could cut our grass by our building, but that's not a productive, profitable use of my time, right? While I'm cutting that's the grass, right. I'm not generating revenue. And so uh, so, getting help uh, getting help where we need it. Um, so you put together kind of a special gift for our listeners. So tell us a little bit about that and where they can find it, because this is pretty cool.
1: So I have an ebook for your listeners and it's called Closing the Sale. And it's really talking about the three secrets of the close. And the things that are super important that you make it really easy around how do you position the decision? So the idea behind the book is when you read it, you'll leave with some language suggestions, which I think are really important to get you comfortable of like, oh, I see how to say this now and build that Words are so So
0: important. There are so many different ways that you can say things effectively or not effectively. So if we wanna be skilled, we need to learn the right words, don't we? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Having, being able to say the right thing at the right time and it doesn't have to be perfect yet. It does have to be said. So that's where I start with people is giving them here's some structure of how to frame it, how to say it. So whether you say it exactly like I, I teach or not, it doesn't matter as long as you actually get the words out of your mouth, then you make it easy for people to decide to hire you. So The book is called Closing the Sale and they can get it. Your listeners can get it by going to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash weekly.
0: Okay. And we will absolutely put that in the show notes because I'd really like for everybody to take advantage of that. I'm a huge fan of of books. There's been a book written about anything that anybody needs to get better at. So um, reading books uh, is is just one of the greatest skills and, and, and habits that we can all develop. Well, this is awesome. Um, I hope everybody takes advantage of that offer, but now like all guests, I get to put you on the spot and ask you a question that I didn't tell you I was going to ask you. So we're the Weekly Wealth Podcast and we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies that can help you to build wealth. So I would like to know your definition of true wealth. What does wealth mean to you?
1: My true definition of wealth Gosh, I I wasn't prepared to answer this. So I'm going to say my true definition of wealth, how I have framed it now in my life is having the ability to make an impact without getting anything in return. So that for me is being able to donate money and give to charitable organizations and not have it like coming from a place of lack, but really coming from a place of abundance. Because I think it's really, really important to, to give back. Yeah. And there are so many really great, worthy organizations out there. So this is something that I do every month. I make donations every single month. And obviously, I get something out of it. But it makes me feel truly wealthy to be able to do that. And that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take away from my family um, having what they need and it feels really good to do.
0: I love it. That's good. I love, you know, I like writing checks. I like giving to, there's so many, just so many people and organizations that have so many needs out there that you just, and, and we just, well, I won't get into the details, but there's a, a program locally that has some, some nonprofits that you don't even like realize that these are needs that people actually have. Um, and um, yeah, so, so, so giving and, and just the freedom to give is, is a great thing. So for everybody who is listening, would encourage you to go to your salesmaven.com slash weekly. That's your salesmaven.com slash weekly, um, download the book, um, learn from it and, and see if you and your team can improve their, um, their sales skills. Cause like anything else selling is a skill where we need to refine. We need to refine our skills. We need to get better at it. Maybe even some role-playing in practice because um, ultimately if we're not selling whatever our product or service is, we don't really have a purpose in our business do we? because the business <laughs> without, that, uh, without that revenue will we'll struggle. So Nikki, any closing thoughts?
1: My closing thought is if there's somebody out there right now that you think you would like to help them or support them and you've never had that business conversation with them, here's some language. Don't be afraid to say to somebody, what would it take to earn your business?
0: Wow. Perfect. I love it. I love that. So uh, Nikki, I appreciate your expertise. I appreciate your time. And until next week, we wish everybody a blessed week. Thank you.